0: Happy New Year! Happy New Year, Trent's back again. thank you. Yes, yeah, for having me, Dan's Dan's with us again this time. I just
1: realised there's a camera on me as well. I was like this, thinking, yes, there's no camera. On nah, me. nah,
0: nah, nah, nah. But you yeah, like, it's there. But
1: yeah,
0: do you know what I mean? It's yeah, just yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. whenever. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, firstly, thanks for coming back again. Thank you. Yeah,
2: yeah. A pleasure to be back.
0: Good New Year in that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm super excited about 2020. Actually. Yeah, the last decade has been tough been a grind I mean 2019 in particular yeah there's so many things that kind of caused you know turbulence and destruction for a lot of people you know the elections Brexit still hanging mm. over us that it meant a lot of people were just very hesitant when it came to making decisions yeah And I think as a result of that we felt it you know, it was pretty sluggish all year round but I think you know we've turned a new year we've turned a new decade and there's definitely positive momentum going into 2020 so I'm, I'm super excited about
0: it so naturally that made your job very difficult
2: 100% and I think you could feel it you know in quite a lot of sectors you know mm. money makes the world go round and every time there's an issue with the economy or politics it always has an impact on finance and when there's a problem in a financial sector you feel that people aren't transacting as they normally would so all of a sudden people who were gearing up entrepreneurs gearing up to sell their business had papers all lined up all of a sudden the buyers were pulling out you know people who were trying to sell properties weren't selling <coughs> Now, people couldn't really continue with their normal livelihoods because everything they had planned for was falling apart. Mm. Um, and so it makes things difficult to transact. So yeah, we felt that for sure. As you were talking about that though, mm.
0: just quickly, because I know that like the property value was going down a lot. Yeah. yeah? Mm. Which was obviously not good for people who wanted to um, sell. sell. yeah. But then like, wasn't, wouldn't of last year being, or maybe even going going into this year, mm. wouldn't it technically be the best time
2: to buy? Absolutely. I think, you know, people always trying to gain the system in terms of when's the right time for me to buy a property. Mm-hmm. I think it's all very individual. It's all based on what your scenario is. I think, you know, it's been a buyer's market for the last two, three years. You know, since Brexit was announced, it's definitely been a buyer's market. It's definitely been a market for international investors, people who've seen that the pound is cheap and therefore they're coming into the UK and just buying up everything they find for a good price. So if you're selling your property it's a definitely a good market for the buyers because they're coming in and they're saying actually I'm not going to offer you half a million for that I'm going to offer you 400 but because you know the market is a bit stagnant you're thinking if I don't take the 400 am I going to get 500 in a year or two or three years mm. so if you need that money if you need that capital out of your asset you're then saying you know what I'll sell it for 400 so if you're a buyer you can definitely go in you know most of the transactions I've been involved in over the last 12 months I would say nobody's really going for asking price yeah. everyone's going in and bargaining and getting a cheaper deal as long as you're able to complete quickly people are getting good deals out of there
1: do you feel like it's turned the corner though or do you feel like the bottom is, we're not at the bottom yet
2: i mean are we at the bottom probably not yeah. um and for sure it depends what part of the country you're in because you know london we know that's a hot market yeah up and down the country is not always the same effect um you know i still think we don't know what the full effects of brexit will be once it happens okay and So I think between now and then, there's still going to be some hesitation, but I feel like at least with the elections out of the way, people are now certain that we're moving in the right direction. So I think things are picking up, um, but there's definitely still deals out there to be had for properties, for sure, 100%. So the the bottom's looking real low, though. The The bottom's looking low, but I think it depends on demand, right? If you're looking at properties, there are those that are sort of, you know, accessible to the mass market. If you're talking about affordable housing for example you know properties that are worth sort of five six hundred thousand pounds or below there's a much bigger population of people who can afford those houses and so you're not going to find crazy deals there because if you're not going to buy it somebody else will mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. once you start looking at properties from a million a million and a half two million really and upwards that's when the market starts reducing in terms of the amount of people who can afford those properties yeah, for and real. so at that point then you you can't be as picky if you're, the, if you're the seller when somebody comes and offers you 1.8 rather than 2 million because you're yeah. thinking do you know what well, actually yeah. I may not get the 2 million I want and not just that a lot of it has to do with sentiment as well so valuers so if you're going to you know buy a property you need a valuation for the bank to give you the money valuers are going in and because of sentiment they're feeling hmm we don't think the property is worth 2 million anymore. We think it's worth 1.6. So before you've even exchanged money, someone's come and told you, your house is not worth what you thought it was. Yeah. So that's also having a major impact. And of that because
0: then People will then be like, I ain't selling that then. Or they'll try and find someone else to it. Correct. but, so, but you
2: know what? That's, that's technically people losing money, you know, overnight. Yeah. <laughs> because you're, you're sitting on this asset you've owned for maybe five, 10 years. Somebody comes along and says, Chucky, that property is not worth 2 million. I think it's worth 1.6 that's it I mean you either accept it or you don't so if you don't accept it you don't sell your property you keep sitting on it but if you need that money out of that property you have no choice you're going to have to sort of you know adhere to what they're saying in terms of what they feel the market is doing at the moment
0: Fair Um, just for those who don't know the Urban Finance is with us here Um, for people who haven't listened to the last two episodes that you were on Mm. can you just um, give people a brief in what your job role is and what you do? Yeah,
2: sure. So I'm a private banker um, and I look after entrepreneurs. So my clients are in about 30 or so sectors from cars to fashion, to food and beverage, to recruitment, to property. Uh, And my job is to help them effectively grow their wealth, uh, help them with lending investments and protecting their legacy ultimately. When a new year starts yeah, Mm -hmm. especially
0: like a new year like this year, 2020, um, I know that like there's loads of people that are looking at doing like many different things when it comes to like health but also with wealth and money and stuff like that yeah when the new year turns Mm. like what type of conversations are you usually having with your clients at this time of the year because I know that it's not really like the beginning of a financial year but it's the beginning
2: of a year where people are wanting to do things so what, what type of conversations are you usually having I think the beauty of that is that my conversations happen way before the end of the year I think people start planning for the new year from the summer onwards, really. So what you tend to find is in terms of how transactions work, you normally have the summer period where it's really quiet, everyone goes on holiday. When they return from their summer break is when they start planning for the year ahead. So what houses or properties or assets are they buying the following year? What are they gonna invest in? What assets are they gonna sell? You know, What opportunities are they gonna look for? So the conversations start well in advance before mm-hmm. then. But I think it's, it's it's an opportunity for everyone to almost press the reset button to look at the situation and think, right, okay, how best should I utilise the resources that I've got? Am I paying too much on this debt? Am I getting the best return for this money? You know, do I want to acquire a new asset? Do I want to sell a business? Do I want to start up a new venture? It's all these type of questions. Ultimately, everyone's in this to try and make you know, a legacy or create an empire for their families, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I find in terms of when you look at the difference between class, that the upper class or those who are in, in the sort of the high tier of society, they don't leave anything to chance, okay? They're investing heavily in themselves and their families. When you look at the lower tiers, you know there could be people amongst us who've got money. We're not investing in ourselves and our families as much as they are. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of almost leaving it to the government or to, to, to you know, to, to other people as their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Whereas my clients are all educating their children in the best schools. Or, you know, they'll they have... Um, if you like, additional support for the children if they need to. They're making sure they're going to the best things and the best places. Yes, because they've got the money to do so. But I feel like when we come into money, we're not thinking the same. We're thinking, well, what can I buy for me, me, me? Mm. Whereas they think very much. When you
1: say we, do you mean people who don't come initially from money? Correct. Yeah. yeah.
2: Correct. People who don't come from money. So when you look at the lower tiers of society, we might acquire, you know, wealth, but we're not thinking about investing that into us and the immediate people around us so that we start building or, you know, at least uplifting those around us and we kind of leave it up to other people to do it. So you'll find people who've got money living in big mansions and their families are still living in areas where they grew up in and they're still, you know, accessing all the general welfare things that you would expect anybody else to. Whereas actually, if they used their wealth to invest into their, their own, then what you're doing is you're uplifting everyone's standards, right? Guilty. <laughs> i
0: tell you i tell you why yeah. I'm guilty, yeah? Because... You know, like going through a, a time where we've spoken about before about like not having money and all of that type mm. of stuff, yeah. Or like finding yourself in a situation where you're broke, yeah, and you're low, or mm. you've had money mm. and then you go broke. When you start making money again, there's sometimes becomes this thing of, you know what, something's around the corner, so let me just treat myself. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know if that ever happened to you, For but me, like I was, I
1: was actually quite respond. My, my thing CCJ isn't it, but apart when it comes to money, yeah. <clears throat> I'm quite responsible when it comes to buying what I think are assets rather than too many liabilities. Okay. So, like, trust me, I fight with my when I'm buying liabilities. Yeah, I fight with myself. It don't matter if it's a hundred pounds. Yeah. That I'm fighting with myself. I'm mm. just like, are you just throwing this in the ocean?
0: Yeah, because I you saw you in the, I saw you in the deals recently. Still.
1: That's a liability. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you know I what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a liability. However. Yeah as long as you don't mash up your diors yeah this, you I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what i did yeah to buy those diors i actually got rid of louis that i hadn't worn for like two years now okay. I, those louis were 450 at the time of purchase okay when i sold them they were more and i just happened i sold them on ebay yeah imagine someone from universal <clears> bought it like one of the top guys at universal so i see the address and they I have to send it to universal in kings cross but um they bought it for four thirty. Oh,
0: okay. Loss
1: of twenty pounds over three yeah, that's, years. Yeah,
0: that's not too bad. That's it.
1: And the same. <laughs> and the same with Dior's. If I like, mm. I got my Dior's at retail. Yeah, they're yeah. quite rare. The, the colorway I've got. Yeah. You go on StockX. That's one bag too. So in reality, as long yeah. as I don't play that's football true. in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The money remains. So you still in was there. quite yeah. smart.
0: I, I I I was saying it in more in a sense of to begin with mm. because of not being used to having it and feeling like something was going to be around the corner where something was going to be taken from me for me I was like you know what I need to just buy this and that or whatever but I think that was because I didn't necessarily understand the what a liability was really yeah. I was buying it more as you said for me, 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 yeah, me but sure. then over a period of time I mean look I think look,
2: when you're looking at the principles of money we have to understand that there's a part of us that we have to enjoy the money we're making too yeah. Yeah. if you're working all these hours yeah. in the day and all you're doing is kind of you know things that you don't enjoy then what what is the point ultimately yeah. you have to be able to enjoy an element of it But I do think part of society have this right and other parts of society don't. If you look at certain cultures, for example, okay, once you're in your 20s and you've got a salary and you start making a living for yourself, they group together, they put the resources together, they buy properties together, and you might be living together for the next five, 10 years. But after that, (coughs) you've now built enough that you can go off in your separate ways, all Mm. owning assets. Right? Whereas some other parts of society, the moment you start earning a salary, you're buying a rental car, you're going on expensive holidays, you're buying expensive clothes. Right. So you're already depleting those resources that other people around society yeah. are using to build a foundation. So then we're always behind because you know, in five, 10 years time, yes, you're still maybe earning well, but compared to somebody else who's earning the same as you now are sitting on four, five, six different property assets or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're just still kind of cutting a check and living, and live you know, almost pay-to-paycheck. Mm. That's the difference. That mentality that we want everything now. Yeah. We, we have this thing where we can't delay gratification. It's, you know, if I've, if I've got a pay rise, I have to go and buy a new chain. I have to go take a holiday. I have to go buy this. I have to go buy that. It's all very immediate. Mm. Whereas I think for this year in this new decade, I want us to think more long-term. Mm. and think that it's okay to kind of forego some of that excitement now because in the future you're setting yourself up for a much easier life Mm. right we can't undo the mistakes of the past and that's fine so whatever we did in the last decade 2019 we're probably going to be paying for it this year and years to come Mm. I'm talking about spending because that's one element that you know there's four elements of finance really of money we look at making money we look at spending money we look at growing money right and then we look at effectively protecting our money a lot of us know how to spend our money. Right? We don't need to be taught how to do that. That's very easy. We make money just by the very simple means of getting a job. But equally, a lot of us don't know how to really make money. Right? A lot of us just know how to get our pay slip and that's it. Mm-hmm. But you are seeing an increasing level of people now trying to find passive income yeah. or create other sources of income, which is good. And I think the internet has enabled that. But when it comes to things like saving money or growing and protecting your money, again, that's something that we're not all invested in, mm-hmm. right? You see a lot of posts and a lot of things on the internet about uh, what do I invest in? You know, I'm, I'm at uni or I've got 10 grand, I've got 20,000, what do I put my money into? <clears> I kind of think people aren't really sitting down to understand the reason why they want to do it. Mm-hmm. They're just saying, I want to invest because I've heard people talk about investments and it mm-hmm. sounds sexy and it sounds, it sounds something that, you know, if I'm intelligent, I should do. But then I'm actually looking behind the scenes to think, why are you actually investing that money? I've heard stories of people tell me, I've lost £20,000 because I was saving up for a wedding and some guy said, oh, I could put this on Forex for you and they lost all my money.
1: Right. And, and that's when
2: the wedding fund I lost 40 so. bags to flipping crypto just I know. not that long ago man. Right. I remember I <laughs> yeah. remember when we was here went, he was talking actually, yeah it went
1: up to 75 and I was like this like, right. and bro. then it just went <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah literally yeah. there's yeah. an episode
0: you might even have the visual to it you was there yeah, on your se- laptop
1: yeah. I had like 75 bags and it was just gone yeah <laughs>
2: but you know what (laughs) and and that's not that's not uncommon yeah that's not uncommon because you know had you actually taken a step back and thought right before i invest this money in spite of how great the returns appear before i invest this money let me ask myself the question what is the purpose of me doing this Mm -hmm. yeah two what is my time horizon yeah three what is my risk appetite right because once you start asking yourself those questions time horizon yeah so
1: i i had mine so i kind of wasn't planning to touch anything and I was going to be very passive with it yeah. until
2: 2022. So time horizon in a sense of... As in there, you well, have to have it... Ta- how, it long of, to time how long specific. have you got effectively yeah. to put that money to work? Because if you turn around to me, Chuck, and say I've got £20,000 but I'm getting married next year, I would say stay away from stock markets because in that, spa- in that time of 12 months, there's no guarantee that you're going to see half of even what you're investing now because mm-hmm. naturally it will fluctuate. Yeah. right so your time horizon and your risk appetite will, will often dictate what type of investment you go into okay so i think for a lot of people at home watching or listening who say oh, i just want to invest my money really ask yourself those questions first before yeah. you do anything mm. right because that will ultimately lead you to where you should mm. be putting your money yeah that is a super common question oh mm. like where should i just where should i invest my
0: money but well, i don't,
1: I don't one think one of the most googled things yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely
0: yeah. but but you're right i think that people ask that question without actually trying to understand why they want to... I guess the the normal or the stock thing would just be, I just want to invest my money just to just make money. Mm. But people don't know really, or I don't think people understand that sometimes that this investing money stuff sometimes
2: takes a long time for you to see a return. Mm -hmm. And that's why the time horizon is important because if you're saying I've got this money now and I need it in a year's time, then can you really afford for it to fluctuate? Probably not. you know because the moment it fluctuates that money isn't guaranteed to come back Mm -hmm. and so you know you look at savings then you think right okay what are some of the safer options i can go for rather than sticking my money in the stock market or giving it to a forex trader yeah so you know have you guys come across notice accounts no what is that so a notice account is basically a, a type of a deposit account whereby you agree for a term to commit your money for either three months, oh, or yeah. six months, or nine yeah, I've months. Heard, I've heard about this. And therefore, you earn a higher level of interest than you would if you just left it in an instant access okay. account. Yeah. So you've got to put a certain uh, a certain amount of money in though, right? Correct. So, I mean, the, the notice account will be determined by the length. So it could be three, six, nine, twelve 12 months. And you say, right, I want to go for a six-month notice. So you can't touch that money in, six, in that six months. But after that six months, it's yours. Can you put more money into it? No, sometimes you can't put more money into it. Sometimes you can't. It really depends on on what the account oh. is. But effectively, oh. you've got that time frame where before you access your money, you need to give them three months notice or six months notice yeah. or nine months notice. And that's why it's called a notice account. So it's the time in, in which you have to give them no- a notification before you can access that money back.
1: Are these big banks, as in big banks that, that provide... Oh yeah, absolutely. Account, yeah? Yeah, and yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Just in general, you mm. see like, when it's all said and done, everything is a bit of a, it's a risk. Mm. So what is... Is there like a big fluctuation of risk between people who take three months and nine months?
2: Mm. Well, I I think, you know, that is still a deposit account, the notice account. So it's not going to be put into the stock market or it isn't going to be sort of put into some risky investment. That is still technically a deposit account. Okay, Okay, so if you're not looking to take a high level of risk and you're actually thinking, I want to earn a bit of interest, but I don't want to kind of put this anywhere crazy. Mm. A notice account is just the safe way of you doing it. It means that you forego access to your money for a couple of months or whatever the term is, but at least you know your money is still guaranteed at the end yeah, with a yeah. bit of interest. What so, sort
1: of interest rates would you, are you likely to see? I that? was
2: just about to ask that. So yeah. you're not going to look- subtitled that. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> you're not going to look at, you know, anything astronomical like, you know, sort of double digits for sure. It's still going to be sort of relatively low because the interest rates in general are low uh, yeah. But the benefit behind that is you're going to earn a bit more than you would if you just left it in an instant access account. account. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And also yeah. the benefit of it is for somebody who can't trust themselves, somebody without the discipline to not touch their money. That's perfect because you physically can't touch the money for three, six, nine, or twelve months or whatever yeah. the term is. So also it's a bit of discipline and it helps you not to sort of spend the money if you've got a goal in mind.
0: Yeah, financial goals. I'm yeah. sure that like that's a conversation that you must get from maybe not maybe from some of your clients, but yeah. just like in personal Generally. conversations and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah honestly I'd probably say like for me personally the last few years has been a time where I've looked more into like having financial goals and stuff like that before sure. I never used to do that yeah. if I'm being honest with you I've been winging it for a very long time <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you I've been yeah. winging it for a very long time but now I'm asking more questions and looking at certain things or whatever mm. um, in terms of like firstly do you have a financial do you, yeah. ever, do you think about that yeah
1: mine have already set I kind of have got a A pretty clear picture of what I need and how I'm gonna do it for the next few years.
0: Okay, okay. So yeah, (laughs) I I have a financial goal as well. Mm. I feel like I have a understanding of how I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Um. One of the things that I was doing, like especially last year, Mm. was, I. By the way, I swear I've got like I got a bank account with every bank. Yeah. (laughs) I've got like these different things that I'm doing, but it's to me it's organized mess but sure. I know exactly what's going on okay. so for example when I get paid mm. my money goes into a, a certain bank account yeah yep. and then I take a percentage out for mm. my taxes and I put that somewhere else mm. yeah and then what I was doing as well was see like the figure that I had left mm. so let's say for example if I, got a pay- if I got paid a grand then I would take let's just say 20% I'd put that in somewhere yeah then I would take 20% off the remaining figure mm. Whereas now I stop that and I'm like I'm gonna I've tried to like say all right cool I get paid a grand I take twenty percent of that fig that figure that I've got there which is basically I take forty percent away mm-hmm. right. so I use the other twenty percent and put that somewhere else as opposed to put taking twenty percent of the remaining figure right. that way there that helps me to save more money mm-hmm. going into the future but I guess that then um, ties more into the life budgeting and stuff like that because mm-hmm. I've, I. have Honestly, I probably spend way too much money on casual things like yeah, eating out and food yeah, and all yeah. of these other things or whatnot, especially yeah. over Christmas and that, mm-hmm. spent a whole bunch of money doing that. Do you know but, what's weird, yeah? My dad always told me, like, buying trainers, clothes, all of this stuff that
1: you don't necessarily need. Cool, feel bad about that. But he was like, if it's food, unless you're going to the Shard every day, when yeah. you're buying food and it's, you're, you're, we're not buying crazy stuff. We're just, we're, we're going roosters. Instead of going yeah. Sainsburys and buying the chicken, well, yeah, I go and, to the yard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I go up. to the yard shop sometimes, it, and it I don't mind up. doing
0: that because I'm giving. When I go to the yard shop, mm. I don't, it doesn't feel too bad because I feel like I'm giving money back to my community anyway. Yeah, when yeah, I'm yeah. doing things like that,
2: so. But but I think it adds up, and so look, you know, I hear a lot of these things again about, and sometimes for me, I think bad information is equal to or worse than no information at all. So for a lot of these people yeah. who are not financially literate when they're watching a lot of these videos and some of these moguls in the us talking about here's how you should divide your money every month and don't buy this or don't buy that i think sometimes that can be very dangerous mm-hmm. because somebody who's not trained and you know able to actually dissect what's what they might just follow these instructions and actually end up in a worse place than they need to be yeah. there's a lot of things out there that says you have to divide your monthly paycheck by xyz spend this much save this much do whatever this much with your bills but if your lifestyle doesn't dictate that, mm. then you shouldn't be guided by that.
0: Yeah.
2: If your expenditure is only 10% of what you earn, don't make it 30 because that's what a guy on YouTube said.
0: Mm.
2: <laughs> do you know what I mean? Stick to what your lifestyle dictates. Equally, a lot of people ask, oh, well, how, do I, you know, how much money should I save if I'm trying to save for a house but I'm paying rent? Well, your rent is going to dictate how much you can save. <coughs> Right? right, because if you earn a thousand pounds a month and your rent is 600 well i can't tell you to save 800 can i yeah, <laughs> because right. it, it yeah. physically yeah. it, it won't hard. work so i think you definitely have to look at where you're coming from but when it comes to saving the easiest way to save money is to spend less than you earn or earn less than you spend it's, yeah. it's as simple as that right it's as simple as that once you stop you know i think the practice you've got chucky is good having different accounts to start putting things in different places because it's not that easily accessible what i would say is when we think we're just swiping, especially now with contactless, it all adds up. Yeah. It all adds up. I mean, you'd be surprised every time you're just pinging it across and you look at your statement, you think, wow, it adds yeah. up.
0: Yeah. Well, this is, could I sorry to stop you there? I actually still, I am mean, with a couple of my bank accounts or whatever, I got contactless, but I don't really use it. Mm. With my, the, my main bank account that I use every day, yeah. it doesn't have contactless on it. And I was just thinking, just, just today, I was thinking, I need to just get contactless. <laughs> Do you know why? Because I feel like, I've, now I feel like the dickhead that's standing there the extra 30 seconds yeah, and it's yeah. not even long it's actually yeah, yeah, not even yeah, long yeah, 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 but yeah, 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 you know yeah. when they hand you the card machine yeah. and everyone so just taps that yeah like little. now I'm having to take the yeah, card then machine then. <laughs> slap it in myself and I get a bit annoyed that they just assume that is contactless. contactless do you get what I'm saying yeah. But but yeah I guess that contactless though does make it so
2: much easier to just it does but I'll tell you what a lot of people I know do is that they have a separate account for the expenditure So as part of their budget, they know exactly how much they're committing themselves to spend that month. And they'll transfer that money from when they're paid to that account. So once you've spent it, you've spent it. So at least whilst you're tapping away, you're conscious that actually I've only moved £200 into this account. Hmm. And so whatever you're spending, you're conscious that it's not, you know, sort of a bottomless pit. That it will stop at some point. Right. And that's how you start to discipline yourself when you're budgeting. So rather than just having this blanket approach of I'm going to save 20%, spend 30% and do this whatever percent, look at what your circumstances actually command. Yeah, Because by doing that, you can say, I don't need to spend 30% of my salary yeah. if I can live on 15%. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What, what does like the, because even
0: with financial goals and stuff like that, mm. like what is the actual conversation around that? Because- naturally yeah. is very subjective to yeah. the amount of money that you make Correct. your class all of these different types of things yeah? yeah but like for me when i think of like financial goal and stuff i don't necessarily just think about okay money and stuff that i'm saving for me personally mm. it's just about like few like, and i guess because i'm self-employed as well so yeah. like there's like my thing is okay cool How, like, how am I going to get extra jobs to make extra money? That's more my mindset of the financial Mm -hmm. plan as opposed to thinking, okay, cool. I already just make this amount a year or whatnot mm. or I don't make that much I'm just doing X, Y and Z and I'm going to try and make a financial plan out of what I've already got Yeah, uh, uh, mine is more just based off trying to make more than I already had yeah. from last year but I guess that's more of a self, self-employed employment. That, that's a life
2: stage you're going through if you remember our last conversation I talked about the, the three stages effectively and yeah. you're at that wealth accumulation stage where you've spent you know a decade or so building your craft and now you're looking for ways to actually increase the revenues that you actually generate right and that's what you're doing so yes that may not necessarily be a strict financial goal that's more sort of a life goal of you trying to mm-hmm. better yourself but it does tie into that ultimately because you know what are we all trying to achieve here let's be honest when it comes that's to money question. we all want to make money mm-hmm. we all want to live well we want to look after our families and friends right we, we just want to have a good life in order to do that you have to be disciplined and that's when you have to start paying attention to right what are my sources of income how much am I spending? How much do I have in a rainy day account? And when I retire, which we all will at some point, right? Have I got enough money in my bank account for yeah. me to retire? Especially as a self-employed individual, you have to contribute to national insurance yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not PAYE. Mm-hmm. So when you retire, unless you've had at least 10 years of contribution towards, a, you know, towards national insurance, then you're not entitled to normal state mm-hmm. um, pension. And mm-hmm. do you know how much state pension pays you for just the standard basic state pension? £168 a week. Okay, so imagine going from your prime now, when you're earning thousands a month, to earning under seven hundred pounds a month when you're retired. Yeah, Mm. right. Your quality of living will deteriorate enormously. So those are things you start thinking about, and you're never ever too young to start planning for a pension.
1: So that's a good one actually, because I've been meaning to, like, I don't know, look deeper into this because I don't, I don't, obviously, I don't have a pension set up Mm. or anything like that. Mm. Um. I know that there's private pensions. Correct. That you pay paying to. And yep. How good are they and what kind of...
2: They're as good as you make it. So it's a self-invested pension. You know, it's a, it's a SIP, or they call it sometimes. But if you look at a private pension, it's effectively you putting money into a pot yourself. And does yes. it get
1: matched? by anyone. That's the thing, like uh, most
2: PAYE jobs. That's, gets if, that's if you're employed. If you're self-employed, you, you have <coughs> all that benefit. It's, yeah. if, it's for people who are PAYE. So for those who are listening who are PAYE, mm-hmm. it's criminal not to be putting away money in your pension yeah. because mm-hmm. it's being matched and therefore the pot you're going to have to retire on will be much bigger just yeah. by you simply taking a fraction of your gross salary yeah. right before, before you even get taxed on it. So actually it doesn't hurt as much as you know, if you're actually putting money away once you've paid tax on it as well, Mm -hmm. right? So it's criminal not to, but we do have to start thinking about retirement because, you know, one thing I look at is, you know, when we talk about generational wealth, I know a lot of families who've now got generational wealth all because somebody took out a life insurance policy Mm -hmm. many decades ago, right? And when they passed away, that policy paid out. That policy paid out a couple hundred thousand pounds and that hundred thousand pounds have now turned into millions, right? And it was probably costing them, what, a couple hundred pounds or or that a year for that policy, right? That's free money, effectively. Now, of course, nobody wants to have that morbid conversation of, oh, we're going to talk about death and that's what I need this for. But that's how some generational wealth has has started, 100%. Do you know what the thing is, though? I I mean, I can't speak for other
0: generations yet, Mm. but it does feel a little bit like people don't think like, they don't think about life after they've passed away nah. it's more just i'm gonna do me yeah. it's lit and yeah. that's just that
1: i think that's so like, no one when, when w- you have kids that does change okay it definitely changes it, it doesn't mean that you care about him 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 and him but, but definitely you definitely start to okay. think about yeah, yeah, yeah. what really matters how to they you. live what once yeah. you've got okay. so I've, I've been meaning to pull the trigger on life insurance as well
2: Wow. Okay. I mean, As it stands, honestly, I have no pension, no the, life insurance. Right. If I so, die, I that's, I die. there's no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> there's absolutely no excuse not to have any of that stuff, especially yeah. if you've got dependents, right? Yeah. Even if you don't have dependents, I remember I set up my life insurance, I don't know, years ago, and I was paying six pounds a month. Yeah. I spend six pounds a month on, on worse <sighs> things in life. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. So of course. But if something happens to me, I know someone's going to get a very nice cheque. Yeah. Right. Mm. That doesn't cost me anything. So, even if I'm being selfish and living for me right now, I still know that if something happens to me, someone else is going to get a very nice check that yeah. will help them at least build something from it. So there's no excuse, no, no pension, no life insurance. That's almost criminal. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of, of thinking- So
1: for me, so for, for, in terms of pensions, yeah, there's, you said there's SIP accounts. Yeah,
2: so, so self-invested pension, so you're looking you looking
1: at- You basically, just everything, is, is it more than just a bank account? Because I could argue that I have a SIP account if it's just money I'm putting away for a rainy day
2: yeah I guess you could say that but ultimately you know, the way the tax treatments are different when you have a pension as well Um, I think for all self-employed people my biggest advice to you would be to go and find a local financial planner somebody you can just kind of run things by and say you know here's what I've got what's the best way for me to either start a pension or start this or start that so would I be right in assuming that you haven't subscribed to your ISAs as well then I did
1: on on the last
2: oh no Uh, no no
1: no that was helped to buy
2: uh, oh yeah, that's oh.
1: Like ISO. To buy ISO. So the help to buy yeah. ISA So yeah. that's
2: interesting Because I think again It's this thing around People following a theme And you know Something that's hot At the time Help to buy ISA Has been around for for a while No one's ever Paid attention to it Until they heard it was ending Now oh, all of a sudden everyone, everyone's, <laughs> yeah, 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 everyone's subscribing yeah, yeah, boom, yeah. To a help to buy ISA Do they even know What it's for? <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. Right. All of a sudden Everybody's subscribing To a help to buy ISA yeah. So you know after I came on the show last, <laughs> I, I remember putting up a post on my Instagram to ask people what their biggest financial concerns were. And just to break some of that down, because this is relevant. And a lot of it was people saying, you know, my biggest concern is not being able to afford a property. Mm. Uh, mm. Other people were concerned about not being able to clear the debt. Other people were concerned about savings investing. And the last one was looking after their family. Mm-hmm. When it comes to buying a property, you know, if we look at this on a very basic level, for those, you know, at the bottom of the scale and at the top of the scale, There are so many entry points to owning property now, which is, you know, easier than it's ever been, right? Even if you live in a council flat or a council house, you now have a right to buy, where the council will give you a discount on the property you're living in if you've lived there for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, you could bring in family members who've lived with you for the last 12 months, let's say, to be part of this scheme as well. So you can use all your income together to buy the house. You can get, if you're in London, up to around 110,000 pounds, off the price of your house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all you then have to do is go get a mortgage for the difference okay that property is now yours all right?
0: mm-hmm.
2: done mm-hmm. on top of that you've got now first-time you know first-time buyers where again in London you can get you know big discounts on some properties and again all you have to then do is go and find the mortgage so with with the right to buy that one's the easiest way to enter the market oh, if you're if so you're in yeah. a council situation yeah. uh, you're dependent on welfare they're still giving you the access to go and own your own property, right? Mm-hmm. Now think of this, once you've got that discount, you've taken out your mortgage, I think after five years or so, there's no longer any obligations if you were to sell the property yeah. to pay any of that money back, mm-hmm. right? So even if you were to sell that property in five, 10 years, now all of a sudden that 100,000 pounds or whatever you've got from the council is technically money in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where else are you going to go to find a 100,000 pound deposit yeah, on the house? Exactly. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. So that's, an, that's a no brainer, that's an easy win. And again, I think there are certain parts of society where you might all grow up in a house, okay? You, your brothers, your sisters, your parents, in a council flat or a house. Once you all start working and you take advantage of this opportunity, yes, you might be on a mortgage for the next three, four, five years, cool. But after that, you guys now own a house. Of course. And even if you were to go and remortgage that property and take some of the equity out, you can now go and help somebody else. Do you know what I'm saying? Why are we not taking advantage of that? Yeah. You know, I think again that might not be something a lot of people are aware they can do. Mm. But then you've got you know shared ownership, you've got right to buy, help to buy, which you know you can now again get a discount um, towards the property you're buying, mm. um, which again is another route to get onto the property ladder. So I yeah. think a lot of people who are sitting there thinking, "I haven't got savings of a hundred thousand or eighty thousand or fifty thousand mm-hmm. to buy a property," you know, therefore I'm never going to be able to afford a property. But there are options out there if you do have the means however to make to save your own money up and buy a property mm-hmm. that's always the easiest way right because mm-hmm. there are far less restrictions in terms yeah. of what you can buy and what you can't do with that property so let me ask you this though say
0: as a self-employed person yeah. you have technically money mm-hmm. or you've saved enough for yeah. deposits and all of that type of stuff here. yeah notoriously it's harder as a self-employed person to get property um, when you're self-employed because obviously you have to show a certain amount of years and stuff like that yeah Yeah. Mm. is there
2: somewhat like a polite way around that what in terms of acquiring a mortgage to buy a house when you're self-employed yeah there are lenders out there for sure there are lenders out there it just means that your
0: percentage of um interest is going to be
2: super higher not not always i mean it depends how long you've been in business for and it depends what you can demonstrate, I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of the high street banks who don't recognise, you know, the self-employed individual who has a lot of, let's say, retained earnings in the business, mm-hmm. but don't pay themselves a great amount on salary or PYE, mm-hmm. because yeah. you don't need to, right? If you run a business and you're making net profits of £600,000 a year, but it costs you £50,000 to live, why are you paying yourself £600,000 a year just to pay tax on it? Doesn't yeah. make any sense, Right. There are some lenders out there, more bespoke. So maybe go through brokers, mm-hmm. mortgage brokers, who mm-hmm. you can say, look, I'm self-employed. Here's my business. These are my accounts. What deals can you get me? There are definitely deals out there for sure. Word. It's just that if you just punch it into a normal online mortgage Nothing calculator, yeah, yeah. N- nothing's happening.
0: Um, I just want to go to students quickly yeah. as well. Um, is there a way that students can
2: like study and not be broke? how you study and not be broke <clears throat> is, is finding income. it. or is that part of the, is that part of the process <laughs> it, it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be part of the process there are a lot of people that I grew up with who whilst we were at school were making money because mm. they had side hustles they started businesses they started trading they started yeah. entities so you know there's definitely I think especially now in the age of social media right people can make money whilst they're mm. sleeping you know from their social media pages or whatever else they do uh, and so, you know, I, I get it. There is a struggle whilst for a student that, yeah. yes, you won't be as rich as people who are not studying because you can't commit as much of your time to making an income as those who are not studying. Yeah, Right, that's a fact. And so yes, you will feel a bit of pain and we've all been there. And I remember my very first student overdraft from Barclays, I think it was, um, and thinking that's all I had to live on until you know my next paycheck came from somewhere. There is a phase of life where you go through where that is the case. Right? Yeah. But I think now there's an opportunity for a student. The biggest thing for you as a student Is to minimise your outgoings. Yeah, simple as that.
1: Don't isn't there there, a lot of unis actually? It's, I don't want to say forbidden, but they want you to not work. So I'm sure if you go to Cambridge or Oxford, Mm. you're not allowed to work.
0: Well, they would rather you, obviously... No, I think that's
1: I, one of the... Th- I don't think you're allowed right. to... Drop. If that
0: is the case, though, if that is the case, obviously I'm not saying it is or it isn't, whatever, but if that is the case, sure is, in, in those dedicate. type of universities, usually you have people that come from a, a certain class where financially... Not necessarily.
1: There's people who went to St. Now, Charles of course, got
0: but what I'm saying is usually, though. Y- yeah. Like, percentage-wise. Like, what's his name? Um, George the Poet, he didn't come from that, but he went to Oxford or Cambridge, one of the two, yeah. he didn't come yeah. As in autumn, oh, you always get examples. the grades and you can go Yeah, true Yeah, but I think look, there,
2: are, there is
1: limitations if you're at Oxford But yeah. the thing is I've got friends who went to Oxford And they started their own
0: businesses And they started obviously mm. making their own income that way And that was probably fine mm. But there are some limitations if you're in Oxford Okay, yeah And so,
2: so I think it's all about Enterprise and how you go about it If you're at uni studying and you set up mm-hmm. your own business I think they probably encourage that Yeah, It's kind of showing that entrepreneurial flair whilst you're studying Um, and a lot of these you know people who go in to start all these mega billion dollar companies a lot of them met at university created the ideas at university and just as soon as they finished they just got serious about it Mm. so yes it's going to be tough whilst you're studying but i think that's when you have to be disciplined with what you're spending your money on
0: of course shout out to the student gang someone sent me that message so i thought i'd ask you um what would you say is the best thing to do with saved money yeah Mm. so but i'm talking about not necessarily like large large money but yeah. it could be like from you know 5k to 15k and stuff like that in a day where like as you mentioned before banks ain't giving like high interest mm. but people have you know some money in the bank Um you know like what are some of the best things that people could do like buy gold watches
2: yeah like, I mean yeah what you would you advise can, you, you can buy collectible assets Um mm. I think sometimes people are, are trying to move mountains with you know, figures that you really can't move mountains with. Okay. I think somebody has 15,000 and think, gosh, I should be able to do something amazing with 15,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah. I, I promise you, go on Google and type in, how do I turn 15,000 to 100,000? And it's not an easy answer, no. right? It's not, if there was the easy formula, everybody would do it, yeah. right? But there are options in terms of, you know, what can you do? Yes, you you know, it depends again, it goes back to the questions around what is the purpose of you doing that? What is your risk appetite and what's your time horizon? Those, those we should really be starting the conversation there mm. in order to then drive towards where we want to go. Mm. Things like buying, you know, collectible assets, watches, for example, the last time I was here, I spoke about watches yeah. uh, how well some of them are doing. But even that, I've seen a bit of a dip in that recently yeah. in terms of some of the resale values that have started to bottom out a bit. So people who are buying these watches everywhere now are finding that actually the resale values for some of them aren't holding out as well as they thought they would.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that's got a lot to do with like, when you say <coughs> some of them, you're talking about certain types of watches. There's right? certain types so of like, watches, yeah. Like a certain yeah. maybe standard of like Rolex watches and stuff like that, yeah. because so much people are buying them now yeah. that it's like, it's lowering the stock value. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah, but there's low stock on it. It's the sport watches in reality, but it's the yeah. like, I don't know. It, it's it's more technical and it's more technical in different parts of the world. That's Correct. The thing. Okay. It's all about the demand.
2: Yeah. You know, there are some watches, um Patek, for example, a Nautilus, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're lucky enough to find one of those at retail price, which is what the creators have intended. What is the
1: retail on the Nautilus nowadays? it's
2: probably about thirty-six,
1: thirty-eight. See, I know someone that got it for that. Yeah, yeah. And now you're talking
2: 60, 70, easy. His one's 90. Right, okay. So depending on what type it is. So if you're you're gonna invest in a watch, for example, and you think I've got 15,000 pounds, well, you know know what your bracket is. You can't enter at that level because A, how you get your hands on a retail nautilus, for example, is almost impossible. But like I said, some of the Rolexes have started to also bottom out as well. So be careful of that because, you know, one that I particularly noticed, when you go into some of these secondhand um, websites who are selling them, and you might notice that, oh, they bought this Sky Dweller for $11,100. they are now selling for 15000 Bear in mind that that's the online retailer's price. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that's what you're going to sell it for yeah. mm. because they're factoring in their margin, their cost, their tax, everything else. So they might buy that watch. They're selling for 16000 only for 11000 from you. So mm. actually you've not made any money because yeah. you bought it for 11000 and they've bought it from you for 11000 yeah. and they're selling mm. it for fifteen. So be careful not to get, you know, too distracted by the figures they're selling it for because that's not what they're going to buy it from you yeah. unless you want to hang out and sell things yourself personally but then again it comes with the timing and risk and everything else with these people yeah. who are buying it um, but what do you do with five ten fifteen thousand pounds i mean you really have to look at you know what you have access to i think access is super important you can put it on the stock market if you've got the time horizon and you've got the tolerance to see it fluctuate you can look at bonds so government bonds, corporate bonds, that's effectively another type of investment, but right. instead of it being um, you know, at risk onto the markets necessarily, that's either the government or a company wanting to raise money by saying, you give us this amount for between one to five years and we promise to give you back this level of interest. So historically, bonds used to do really well because that was kind of a guaranteed way that okay. your money was you know, not, too, not at risk too much, mm. but you would get a decent level of return back. Um, you know other than that you know gold and things like that again do the research there, there's so many things you can buy you know, there are handbags which can be good yeah, investments course. ultimately Trust right <laughs> there, exactly there the are I'm watches mm-hmm. correct but again to get to, <laughs> know, to get one of those problem. that retail yeah, is again very very difficult yeah. um, so, and that's why I said I think you know you can't move mountains with figures that you know yeah. it just is impossible to yeah. do it with. and sometimes the best thing to do is keep that money safe keep it at least beating the rate of inflation Yeah. so at least have a, an interest paying account why people don't subscribe to ISIS, again, is criminal. That's tax-free money, right? And if you put that in there, £20,000, you tuck that away. You know, if you've got a partner, 20000 for them too, that's £40,000 that you're putting away every year tax-free. Yeah. Right? And that, that's, you know, things like that. And that will pay you a decent level of return on that as well.
0: Debt is just a big thing, though. I know that a lot of people go through yeah. and that. And, like, and when you talk about um, or have conversations about finance or whatever, especially mm. when you talk to young people, like, I know a lot of people go through mad debt mm. and CCJs and stuff like yeah. that. I know you obviously, you spoke before about that having a couple of them. And parking like, tickets, man. Yeah, the parking <laughs> tickets. Is just Yeah. Are you being all right with them recently, though? You I'll still be honest with you,
1: man. I had a little, like, <laughs> three-week period <Relapsed> last year.
0: <laughs> getting a bit mad. Again. It went
1: again. Like I said, just... <laughs> yeah, <it's> nuts. <laughs> but don't worry. I, I figured out what I'm going to have to do a long time ago. My deposit needs to be hefty. Yeah, <laughs> hefty hefty so that's what it is and it is what it is
0: well I know some people worry about like mm-hmm. you know having CCJs and then not being able to like move yeah. financially or whatnot. Yeah. but that's not necessarily the case so no
2: if you have a CCJ typically that will stay on your credit file for about six years mm-hmm. yeah. between three and six some lenders would be more lenient on it and they'll, they will accept it with some rationale and reasoning to say okay it happened you've paid it off everything's okay is there a different
1: severity of CCJ. So I know CCJ is just like one term, but one can be a pocket ticket. One can be a- uh, uh, A default on a, a house. A default on a, a house. Oh, can it?
2: Do, do you know what it is? Once you've got a CCJ, you have a CCJ. You know, the terminology, it just it depends on the lender and how they view it. Oh, once okay. they ha- once they sit in front of you and talk yeah. to you and okay. say, actually- yeah, 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 that was 60 pounds, not 600,000. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. immediately, a lot of these applications now are done online. And once they're looking at these things, they're not asking any questions. They've seen yeah. a CCJ. And if, it's been a, if, if it's been the last three years, that's going to impact you negatively you know so and that will make it harder for you yeah uh, but it's not impossible if you have a CCJ look these things happen you still can find you know debt you still can find you know mortgages and get um, you know properties it just means that for the first three years at least it might be a bit trickier yeah but after six years it comes off a file
0: what is it like the, the the toughest thing with your job dealing with your job at this time of the
2: year now at this time of year I mean I think it's it's not It's not so much this time of year. I think it's just in general, in terms of, you know, I've talked earlier about sentiment in the marketplace and what people are doing. Um, A lot of people, you know, last year or the year before were very hesitant when it came to investing for growth in their own businesses, for example. Um, A lot of people who had things lined up to be sold weren't selling. And so cash flow is king. Cash is king. For anybody who's self-employed will understand that cash is absolute king. What people have to be careful of sometimes is not trying to be too clever that leave themselves short of cash flow because what you find is some people might tuck all their eggs away in such clever places but haven't got money to live on day to day right so a lot of the time you hear you see all these posts around the internet about so-and-so is worth 300 million or so-and-so is worth 20 million but they can't write you a check for a hundred thousand because mm-hmm. all that wealth they've got is tucked away in places that they can't put their hands on immediately and they've got no cash flow mm-hmm. and when you've got issues with liquidity that can cause you serious problems from a credit perspective because the moment you start missing payments on small things like utility bills or a phone bill whatever all those millions you're worth <laughs> you know it, it doesn't come to play because for banks as far as they're concerned you start missing payments mm-hmm. they don't care that you live in a 10 million pound mansion or that you've got a business that turns over half a billion they are now considering you as at risk because you're not running your accounts in a certain way. So people have to be conscious of that, that liquidity is king. So yes, whilst people are always saying, I want to invest my money, A, understand what you actually want to invest it for, but also understand that don't leave yourself dry because at any moment you can get hit with a bill. Mm. At any moment you can get hit with something that you weren't expecting. (laughs) How do you cover those expenses? I got
1: killed the other day.
2: What,
0: on the same thing? No,
1: no, on uh, imagine, yeah. So where I was across the road before, I paid rent to yeah. the, the building Yeah. and then there was an, ad- whatever an additional part of that was used as the, it was sent to electricity. Obviously the studios use a lot of electricity, yeah. So I thought, oh, I've moved across the road and it's the same company, it's just the sister building. It's the same thing mm. after, but literally like three weeks ago, EDF knock on the door, they'd be like, yeah, we're just gonna check your meter. Check the meter. It hasn't been paid for the whole year.
0: Oh, shit.
1: And I was on no contract. So it means that they basically, they charge They make like up the doubles, numbers, they, they, make the numbers <laughs> they make up the number yeah. 3,800, that's it. They're just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Has to be done. You got.
0: That's, see, that's the thing as well. <clears throat> see what but for me,
1: I'm furious
2: at the building for not letting me.
1: I know it's, there's, it's probably in some kind of contract somewhere.
0: Yeah,
2: they probably- But probably. as in, you see what I'm saying? like it's no, From, no, from, a, from a personal finance perspective, something like that can throw somebody completely off. Yes, exactly. All of a sudden you've presented a bill of 3,000 pounds and you've got no liquidity. Yeah. And that's when people start scrapping around going to payday loans just to kind of release funds and and, you know so you have to be careful that you know when you're looking at your financial picture there needs to be diversification you know you can't have all your eggs in one basket a lot of people who are in property find this the trickiest because property is not something that you can turn liquid easily no (laughs) right you can't walk into the house and just cut a brick off and say I'm turning that into cash (laughs) it doesn't work that way so some people can be overexposed in certain asset classes and that causes them problems with liquidity yeah Mm. It's the saving aspect as well,
0: I know, that, like, is really difficult to talk about mm. because, naturally, in almost what you're saying as well is that it's so subjective to what that person has, yeah, how much they make, and what their outgoings are. Correct. Because so much people always ask, like, people, you know, especially when it comes to you and stuff like that, mm. like, on saving tips and stuff, and I think... Like I could only ever talk about how I save money, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work, because that wouldn't have my sa- my saving tip today mm. wouldn't have worked for me. Yeah. Um. You know, eight years ago, it just yeah. wouldn't because I wasn't I didn't have money like that. Yeah. So I would would have been leaving myself short, and I think that is some. I think that is a problem that some people are going to find
2: themselves in. Yeah. Where th- trying to do too much Correct. and then having nothing. And that's what I said at the start about the fact that there's all these sort of mechanisms that are out there. People saying you have to split your income into this this amount or this portion. Well, no, <laughs> look at your personal circumstance and actually yeah. establish what is it that I need to spend? What is it that I can therefore save? Um, I mean, there are the simple practices, like I said, I've talked about a few of those notice accounts and ISAs and making sure that you're utilising all these things that are available to you so that you're putting the money somewhere. But in terms of how you come to those figures, That is very individual. And that's Mm. where budgeting helps. Because Mm. if you've got a budget, I think when you messaged me, Chucky, I said that I've just finished my personal cash flow for 2020. And I generally had, you know, I've got my spreadsheet ready for the year. Now I'm just waiting to see what goes up and down. So wait, so explain, because for people who don't understand that, explain when you was talking about your personal cash flow. So put it this way, I've effectively drawn out my whole spending pattern for the year before the year started yeah I thought that was so interesting when you messaged, messaged me that and
0: said that because I've never done that yeah really or well, obviously when I do my tax accounts and stuff like that I've got like
2: certain things that I've yeah. Done yeah, out, yeah. But how detailed is yours it's detailed it's detailed so I mean I've got I've got it listed out for the whole 12 months um, and to be fair from last year I already kind of fed through to this year but I've started it again just for this year but it's kind of all the sources of income, all the outgoings, assets owned, cost of service in those assets. Because mm-hmm. that's what people forget a lot of the time. How detailed is your outgoings, though? Are you putting, like, are you going down to a suite? I'm going down to lunch. I'm going down to travel. I'm going down to everything. I'm going down to, well, I mean, I have an amount. And again, don't automation is is the key. Don't do this manually. Don't say to yourself, oh, I'm going to move this money every time I get paid. I have standing orders that are going around like the matrix, okay. right? Yeah. So there's no there's no accident and there's no mistake that when I look at the spreadsheet, things should be where I expect them to be, right, because yeah, yeah. I've kind of planned it out. So the only thing that I'm going to change is actually, did I spend as much as I thought I was going to spend this month? If not, okay, I've got some surplus. And even now I've planned in my surplus. So for me, it's like a game. I'm watching that spreadsheet thinking, oh man, mm-hmm. I didn't spend as much. Or Christmas comes and thinks, you know what, I've overspent there, but actually, I can make that back up in these months, yeah. and I have a quite a month. Does it become a like month. a
1: game to you, though? It's in like the a sense game that
2: you want to keep that spending thing as low as. It's. It, I promise you, it's a game because I'm looking at it full twelve months ahead, thinking, "Wow, that's going to be a good month." or well, that month isn't going to yeah. be so great. So, everything that I'm doing and think, I'm thinking, I'm planning accordingly to what that spreadsheet is saying in the back of my mind. But
0: then, also, isn't a number like isn't that subject to like because maybe you might hit a big one yeah. financially? Yeah. In at a certain yeah. point so you're like okay maybe naturally maybe elements of my financial
2: like what I'm spending money on Might I change. can raise that a little bit I can so, so so, absolutely I mean what I've done is it's conservative in terms of some of the columns you know income for example will undoubtedly change throughout the year but I've made it conservative so it's almost a worst case scenario that if everything stays as it is this is how That's I'll finish the say. year yeah, okay. right? or yeah. and so when that month arrives and actually it's been a very good month then I'll adjust it accordingly but at least in my mentality is that because I've planned to spend a certain amount, I'm not sitting there trying to buy things that, you know, I shouldn't be buying just because I I was expecting this to come because my spreadsheet doesn't say so. My spreadsheet says this is how much I've allocated to spend. Mm. And so if I have a great month and I have a lot more income than I was expecting, great, that's the surplus. I just go and put it into something else. Word. Final thoughts?
1: yeah nah this is a lot to take in <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, I, do you know what the good thing about this is I can watch it back yeah <laughs> do you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah, and yeah, I can yeah. you know this one here you understand yeah. what I'm saying and other people can do that but um, that's why I just think you know it's always good to have these type of conversations and like yeah. you know my, you've, this is your third time now Yeah, and I thought it was, was important to have it right at the beginning of the year Yeah, and also you know maybe another um, two more times in the year just to kind of just get like just some tips from you and your train of thought and sure. your perspective on things, and I think it's very important as well. that anything that is said here, it's important to do your own research too. Hundred percent. Yeah. So like, yeah. there are things that are being said, but like, do your own research. So you and, can. and that,
2: I can't I can't stress that enough. I mean, in terms of final thoughts for me, it's definitely that you know be curious. If you have somebody on the internet that's saying to you, Chucky or Dan, I can promise to make you richer if you give me your money. Be suspicious, right? Mm -hmm. Because that person needs you more than you need them. 100%, Mm -hmm. right? But I hear these stories too often where people are falling for it and just say, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, sure, well, you know, they they had a nice office and therefore I gave them the money and never saw it again. You know, for you to lose 20,000 pounds, you have to earn, if you're a normal tax paying employee, you have to earn 26,000 pounds gross in order to get that 20,000 pounds back. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So it's a lot. When you're Mm -hmm. losing money out of your pocket, that's net money you're losing. Yeah. And so before anybody comes and takes your money, be curious ask questions and if you're not sure seek opinions before you part of your money because we work hard for it mm-hmm. 100% I think do you know what
0: yeah <laughs> just think about this now there's like a certain age gap or age sort of I don't know what the right word is yeah of people that are optimistic yeah. financially in terms of like what people will do with their money yeah. and then there's like another um, bit in between where people are pessimistic so yeah. in, it, to, to explain it better when you are maybe like, let's say, 18 and younger, if I'm just giving a, a just a rough age, yeah. Mm. When you're 18 and younger, you're optimistic when somebody comes to you and says, right, if you give me X, Y, and Z, I can do X, Y, and Z with it, and yeah. so you give it to them. You give them your square. Uh? You give them your card. Everything, you give them everything. <laughs> That's it. But also, say 45 and over, Yeah. yeah they're exactly the same too because well maybe a bit older because remember like to them even though the internet is not particularly new mm. like it's, there's still elements of that that is quite new to them yeah, especially yeah, yeah. when they are getting pop ups of people that like, say hey yeah, 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 give yeah. me you know yeah. to, uh, your savings and I'll do x y and z yeah. with it because yeah. the amount of times I've had like an auntie or a granny or someone who come like you hear about stories yeah. of people that have taken yeah, yeah, money from them yeah. but within that though you have people that are a bit more pessimistic where just like I don't really like, I don't know, what do you mean? If I, why, why are you coming to me? What have you done? Like, what have you done yeah. with your money before you come to me?
2: Look, th- there's always a reason why somebody's aggressively coming to you to ask for your money, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? <laughs> but that, that's to me says they need you more than you need 100%. them. And often that's the case. But you know, last thing for me, I would say is also the fact that people shouldn't really be comparing themselves just by what they see aesthetically from other people. Because I think when it comes to, yeah. when it, <laughs> when it, when it comes to wealth, when it comes to finance, I think everyone can put on a great show Mm -hmm. without the true substance beneath it. So imagine this. Somebody here is making this other person feel inadequate because they just know how to put on a good show. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, this person here is probably more financially solid than they are, right? But just because they know how to put on a good show, this person's sitting at home thinking that they're not worth anything. And that's just the worst thing you can do in terms of self-confidence. So take things with a pinch of salt. It's not always as it appears
0: to be. Hundred percent, and do you know what that? When you said that, that made me think of one of my best mates as well. Yeah, he's not a flashy guy like that. Yeah, but when I tell you, you wouldn't, f- you wouldn't think it. But if you ask him what he's doing, mm. he's just doing so much. But yeah. he's not that. You put him in the of the people that put on a <coughs> good show, and you don't see him. No, yeah. but when you when it comes to talking about what's really happening, yeah, he's in a in a in a in a great place. And to be honest with you, that really inspires me. Yeah. You know, having friends like that. Um Bro. Thanks. Yeah, thank thanks you. for coming, man. Appreciate that. it. Um your yeah, Instagram, Urban Financer, anyone got any questions, they can hit you up or whatnot. Um yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Thanks guys.